As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back. I'm Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer and... Finally, mercifully, it's draft week. Oh my God. Zach, enough. Stop talking. I don't want to talk anymore. No more mock drafts. <laughs> no more rumors. Well, a couple more days of rumors, I guess. There's um, always rumors. Yes. I, I, I don't know about you, but I am more excited for Thursday night this year than I seem to be in the last couple of years. Because Why? Because you think the Colts might make a first round pick? <laughs> they're trading up for Kyle Pitts. You didn't know that? Um, oh. Yes, because I think they might actually take a first-round pick for the first time since 18, but also because I'm tired of all the speculation. Let's see what happens. <laughs> There's there are literally, and I'm not I'm not like you know making any fun of of any of my colleagues you know in the industry because this this shit is hard. Okay, we don't know what's going on, right? But like there are literally reports that are the complete opposite of competing reports. Yes. It's like you know Team it's, X you know is going to do this. Week. Right. Yeah. It's like Team X is going to do this, this, and this. And then another report will say, no, Team X is actually going to do this, this, and that. And they're completely opposite. So clearly both can't be true. So it's almost like people are lying. <laughs> but anyway, peak it's a uh, lying season. I think this oh week. Oh, my God. This week is, 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 is all the stuff that comes out. And then the first week of free agency, or maybe the week before free agency. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All no kinds question. of stuff that comes out. And then later you hear, nope, that wasn't true at all. <laughs> Luckily, the Colts don't leak a lot of stuff. They just don't. Yeah. I think if you're hearing a lot of rumors about the Colts, it's generally going to be speculation, I think, you know, normally, or, or it's coming from somewhere outside the organization. They're pretty, Correct. they're on a pretty tight ship. And, and that's why when we tell you stuff, you know, when we throw stuff out there and we don't just do that willy nilly for the most part, I think, you know, speaking for both of us here, uh, generally somebody told us that. Okay. Because we don't just, first of all, they don't just offer up a lot of information. You got to work for it and you've got to get somebody to tell you something. And if we, if we're going there, it's because, that didn't come out of thin air. So yeah. that's all I can tell you. Uh, very careful in that regard. I've yeah. got a little story coming out tomorrow that kind of has a little bit of an interesting nugget at the top about a certain conversation a player had with Chris Ballard this offseason about pulling a certain player out of retirement to come back and play quarterback. Um, <laughs> I have no I idea pro- what you're talking about. I promise you that's not made up. But um, 
<laughs> we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be fun. I, I really hope they make a pick Thursday night. They've got a couple needs that jump out. I've, I've run through this list so many different times. I'm starting to overthink it. What about you? No, no question. I'm definitely overthinking it. Um, well, all right. Let's start with that, though. D- do we – what are the odds – let's put it this way. What are the odds they make a pick on Thursday? I have a, I have a thought, but maybe you can go first if you have a thought. So what would you make of Ballard saying on Friday that – yeah, there's five or six difference makers, and then there's a you know there's a handful of guys that we like at 21 that we'd be happy with. Smokescreen, truth, somewhere in the middle. Um, I think there's probably a lot of truth to that, and the reason I say that is because two things. Number one, you do have to take a very very open ended approach when you're picking 21 because you're 21st. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You don't have any control over the previous 20 picks. There's so many permutations. I, so I many feel things so can different happen. if they were picking yeah. 15th, you know, even like 16th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just feel like all of a sudden, maybe you get Devontae Smith. Maybe he's in there. It's just 21 is kind of a weird no man's land. And I don't see them picking higher than this for quite a while. I mean, unless they yeah. bomb a, a season, I just, they're, they're going to be, they got to get used to this. Yeah. I mean, they're good enough to, even if they're a wild card team for the next several years at, at worst, you know, this is where you are. You're you're in the twenties. So anyway, here's my thing: it, it, to sort of piggyback on what you were just saying, if they were fifteenth, I think there's sort of a there's sort of a range. I think from like twelve or thirteen on, where it could be anything. You know, and and I think that's that's part of the problem. It's really hard to predict. You know, when you're picking in the top ten or even in the top twelve or fifteen, as you said, it's a little easier to predict who's going to go where. You can match the puzzle pieces a little more. When you get down to the twenties, it's just so much harder. And I think you're, you could have some trades in between and that throws off your projections. Somebody goes somewhere you didn't expect. And so anyway, to the original question though, in terms of whether they pick on Thursday. So they haven't had a first round pick since 2018 is Quentin Nelson, actually, I think. Yeah. So uh, in terms of this year, I think. I think it's literally a 50-50 shot. And, and mm. here's why. I know that's a that's a little bit of a cop-out answer, but I think there's a very good chance, a decent chance, the tackles that they, at least the tackles that we project as the top tackles, I think they could be gone. And so what if they are? Then what? Well, I think you trade down and you try to recoup that third-round pick that you sent for Wentz. Uh, but then the question becomes – is there going to be anybody that's interested in moving up? Because this is a weird draft. And I think it is. It goes back to what to what uh, Chris Ballard said. You know, there's some nice players, but no difference makers necessarily. There's nobody that's going to turn you from a yeah from a you know from a non playoff team into some playoff team at 21. I don't think that guy's there. So so is somebody going to have the urge to trade up and make a deal for somebody at that spot? And, and that's what I. Question. I I don't think the Colts' desire to move down is going to be the problem. <laughs> I think it's going to be finding a suitor and finding a, a partner to make that deal, personally. I think that's so. a really good point because you just assume there's going to be someone who wants to jump up. And a couple right. of factors are going to be really interesting to watch play out this year. One, it's kind of what, what Dane Brugler talked about, and this is kind of picking up steam. Like Teams might be more inclined to move back, even into next year's draft, and add a two or a three and take a better shot, right, and have more information Mm -hmm. next year, a more thorough scouting process, the combine. The other thing that seems to be percolating the last couple of days is this lack of medical information that they're just not used to 
Mm. right? Like they don't have what they're used to having. And that's huge. Yep. And, and even Ballard talked about this. And we know examples of guys, you know, the Colts weren't comfortable taking because of the medicals in the last couple of years. That's a situation where they moved back out of the first round in 19, traded with Washington, moved back, eventually added a second rounder. That could totally be the case because in Ballard's mind, and he said this a million times, the more picks you get, the higher chance of success. Look at his second round success. The Colts have had more first and second round picks than any team in football the last four years since Ballard became GM. Do you know how many first round picks they've had in that span? Two guys, Malik <laughs> Hooker and Quentin Nelson. Yeah, all of them. Yeah. I mean, almost all of them have been second rounders. So that's where they've really yeah. built the core of their roster. Um, this is nothing new. We've talked about this, but I could see them moving back. But like you said, who's going to want to move up and take a more risky swing, a riskier swing when they know a little bit less about these guys? And, you know, usually you move up. I'm trying to think, who do you move up for? You know, maybe it's tackle, but if the Colts are in that spot, I could see them taking a tackle. Right. If it's defensive if tackle, end. If a tackle worthy of moving up is there, you should take him. Right. Yeah, if exactly. If he's on your board, you take him. But it's kind of weird with this defensive draft. Like there might not yeah. be a defensive player that goes in the first 10 picks. The The edge rushers yep. all seem to have a little bit of a flaw that kind of jumps out, whether it's size, yes. production. Some of them are just really raw. I mean, Jason Owe is a first round projection, but he didn't have a single sack last year. It's really Phillips hard to retired do. retired from football. <laughs> it's, um, right. it's gonna be like, do you trade up for those guys? Because that's a huge swing. That's a huge risk. It's gonna be fun to yeah. watch. I just, I just really am anxious to see what the Colts have up their sleeve. So, all right, let's look at the situations where they, where they did trade down in the past. I mean, I think. Let's go back. I think a couple of years ago, it was what I believe the twenty sixth pick, uh, yes. where they traded down. They had now they had the thirty fourth pick at that point, so that that's a game changer in that scenario. It's like okay, well, I'll trade out of twenty six because who gives a shit? I got twenty. I got thirty four. I think that the thought was they have a group of guys they like, and they're confident yes. that one of them was still going to be there at thirty four. Right, and Rakyasin was among the names they were discussing, and so you could. You could argue whether you like Rocky Sin or not. You could argue they got what they wanted out of that, right? And they got the extra picks, and that worked out. Now, but but what enabled that to happen? You had a guy sliding in Montez Sweat at a premium position. Okay, defensive end certainly had concerns with the the medical concerns, and the Colts were not going there. They were not going to draft him. Uh, that was a decision they had made with the cardiac issues, uh, just the cardiac concerns, I guess. And so. You had to have somebody who, who was in love with that guy. And, and you can see that with a guy like that. Now, who's that guy in this draft? I don't know. That's the thing. I'm, I'm with you. I don't know that there's a guy like that. There are, there's some interesting guys, but that guy was a surefire thing without the, without the medical concern. And he's, and no he's played well. He's produced in Washington. He has been really good. Yeah. He's had like, I think he's got 18 sacks in, uh, in two years. So that's like one less than Justin Houston. <laughs> I mean, you take that at number 26, right? So anyway, I I don't know. I think that's going to be the question. I, there's no question for me that uh, I, I don't think there are – I'm with Chris Ballard. I don't – and he knows more than I do. But uh, I, I would say that that description is probably fair about there not being a huge number of premium players but a lot of good players. And in a draft like that, I think you're always looking to move back is what I'd say. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're of the opinion – of Chris Ballard, which is more 
you know, more picks the better, right? If they so, move up, I've got the numbers here. This, I, I dug this mm-hmm. up for the story I'm writing. They moved up three times in the draft to go get a guy, which actually surprised me a little bit. One of the names mm-hmm. might surprise you. They've moved back eight times, like eight times yeah. in four years. I mean, and a couple of those are like, you know, they traded their sixth rounder for the Patriots, two sixth rounders. So they're not as right. substantial as the first rounders. They traded up for Jonathan Taylor. We know that. That's a home run pick. They traded up 20 spots to go get Kari Willis in 19. Remember that? They really yeah. wanted him, I think, early on day three. And they traded up to get Taekwon Lewis. And the book has yet to be written about Taekwon. He had a great, nice bounce back year last year. But I think that's totally a possible play for them. But it would have to be in, in round two. Maybe round four if they want to get back into three if they like somebody. But the, the question is, and this is the weird part about this year, they've only got six picks. They lost one to the Wentz trade. They lost yes. that third rounder. And they don't have a first-rounder next year. Let's just assume Wentz plays 70% of the snaps. So they're going to assume they don't have a first-rounder next year. And what's what's that statement that Chris Ballard loves? I love them picks. Yeah. In their they're minds, they're looking to add. You know they're looking to add. How they add this year is going to be fascinating. They've done most of their damage in the second round. Um, but they're you know that that's significant, the fact they don't have a first-rounder next year and they're not picking in round three this year. You know, I think – Actually, that that actually is relevant, though, with what happens next year, because a lot of these trade downs have involved picks in future years. You know, I think well, certainly the Quentin Nelson Jets trade that that involved, obviously, future picks. The the trade with Washington, though, at 26, that involved, I believe, a, a second the following year as well, which served them pretty well, because I believe that was Michael Pittman Jr. So, yeah, the, the, I mean, the tentacles of the Quentin trade are unbelievable if you add up all the players they added. Yeah, I mean, the Jets yeah. got fleeced. There's no question. I mean, the guy's not on their team anymore. Okay? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he's, he's literally not on their team anymore, Sam Darnold. So I think we can write the book on that. So anyway, as I was saying, I, I just think that it, I don't know that it's going to happen. I don't know that there's even an avenue. But but certainly, uh, if they can find a method to to get a pick for next year, uh, they would love to do that. If they could if they could find a way to you know to to add to their their tally for next year because that is going to be a problem. I mean, you're you're talking right now. Let's assume they make this pick um, on Thursday night, and let's assume that Wentz plays the necessary number of snaps as we expect. So they're going to go without a first round pick three out of four years. <laughs> okay, that's a lot, man. That's a lot. That's a you lot know, we're for talking... a team that isn't the L.A. Rams, right? That like actually believes like in building through the draft, <laughs> right? So now it, it's not as bad as it sounds because they they parlayed those picks in most cases into additional picks. Yeah, they I mean Wentz, Buckner, yeah. But the uh, but but definitely, there's no question. I mean, you you definitely are are gonna gonna not be in position for some premium players without picking in the first round three out of four years. So it's a it's a very interesting little phenomenon that that runs a little bit counter to what you would think. A team like the Colts would do, but but I I'm with you though. I'm actually compiling some things too uh, for a story I'm working on, and that second round they are all about the second round. So uh, I can let's see. I think they've picked under Ballard. I think like eight guys. I think oh, in the second 10. round. It's ten. I have the list. Oh, that's right. It. There's there's a couple I, I didn't know. Here, Seven right? of them became starters. That's a really good success rate because remember back in like. The late stages of the Grigson era, we'd be like, you can't miss on TJ Green. He's a second rounder. You can't miss on right. Dejon Smith. He's a third rounder. Like third rounders need to be starters at the very least. 
Um, here's the list for the Colts. Pittman, Taylor, Rockison, Ben Banigou, Paris Campbell. That's an up and down class in 19, but, but 18 is really like maybe the best draft class this, this franchise has ever had in one single round. Darius, Braden Smith, Toure, and Lewis. That's four picks in one round. And then Quincy was the second rounder at 17. But that's where they've done their damage. So let me ask you this, and this is kind of a, a thought I had. Where do you come down on them going left tackle in round one versus round two? Because obviously, you know, they want to get value, right? They'd be happy yeah. to get a great left tackle in round two. He's going to play next to Quentin Nelson. Maybe it's Eichenberg out of Notre Dame. But can they be – can they get away with that? Like, can they – I mean, that's a premium, premium position. And, and I'm writing this for next week, or for, excuse me, for tomorrow. I I think people are going to realize how damn good Anthony Costanza was about five or six games into next season. Because whoever steps yeah. in is not going to be as good, and there's going to be some ups and downs. And you're going to be like, oh, the quarterback almost never got hit from his blind side for about six or seven years. <laughs> um, and, and I think that's going to be that's that's going to play into this. So what they do at left tackle is just really fascinating to me because I don't see any way where this draft doesn't come out with at least one. So my sense on this is that, and I could be completely wrong, but this is the way I read this. I think the Colts feel like the difference between a tackle they'll get in the late first round may not be that different than a tackle they get in the late second round. Now. I think there's there are some exceptions to that, right? I mean, if if somehow look, Rashawn Slater's not going to be there at 21, but like, I mean, that guy that guy looks like the real deal, right? And, yeah. and certainly, I'm not even going to talk about um, Sewell. I mean, like, he's not going to be there, right? But but I'm but I do think you know, Darisaw, it, it does seem like the projections on him are getting higher. Um, every mock draft I've seen, you know, from from uh, particularly the ones from from beat writers who who are talking to their teams and and have a sense of the needs and what they like, yeah, he his stock is definitely has definitely trended higher. Like was, I don't think you're kidding him. It'd be a stunner if he made it past Washington at nineteen. So yeah, it sounds that's why that I way. don't think the Colts are going to be an option for him. But again, it's the draft and there's a lot of smoke screens and you never know. I think Darius is right. a pick. If he's there, you take him. Yeah, I agree with that. I just I just don't feel confident he'll be there. So then there's. There's the guy that you had in your mock draft, uh, Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. And I think, look, that would probably be the pick, I would imagine, if he's there, uh, depending on, on how they evaluate him. I mean, yeah. if, it, unless unless they don't see him as, you know, a guy who's a, a difference maker, and then maybe they don't do that. Maybe they do try to trade out. And and this is the question, right? So if you take – you don't want – it goes back to what Chris Ballard said. You're not going to take a guy just to take him. So if there's a tackle available at 21 who's just, meh, you know, a guy that they're not in love with, I think they're more likely to probably go ahead and just take the guy they do love, even if he plays another position, and and try to get that tackle in the second round. They've been very clear, consistently clear about this, that th- there are tackles throughout. And – Chris Ballard has said that. I think even Jamerse has hinted at that. Yeah. Okay, so there are tackles beyond number 21 that they are comfortable with. That is my impression. So I don't think they're going to force the pick at number 21 if it's not a guy they love. I mean, and, and I don't think they should. I don't think they should. And I think now, there's, don't you think there's a confidence in their, in their, in their process to be like, you know what? We're not going to, yeah. we're not going to just pick him just to pick him because it's the position we need. They do seem to be, very much okay with this, <laughs> you know, like 
I know he always says, oh, we'll never panic, but like they really aren't panicking. And like, I kind of wonder why not <laughs> to some extent. Like, if dude, they you do, don't have a left tackle, dude, if, <laughs> you know? If he didn't panic after Andrew Luck retired, he's never going to panic. Like, I'll give right. him that. I mean, I talked to him a lot in the days after that happened, and he was like, yeah, yeah this is a big deal, but we're going to be fine. And like, I was like, all right, right. if you can handle this, the draft's going to be fine. Right. Yeah. I, I think, I think you're seeing some of that here. There's no question about it because, um, you know, I, I also think, though, here's the other conundrum. Is one of the pass rushers at that point going to be the higher value pick? And that's potentially true. I mean, you know, I think a guy like, I don't know, I was going to say Quiddy Pay, but I, I, I could see him going higher. Uh, but, I mean, like, you know, what if hmm, Ojolari from Georgia, what if he's there? You know, an edge yeah. rusher like that. You know, what if he's there? Is that worth – is that is that the better value pick than trying to force – you know, uh, an offensive tackle that you I, wouldn't like stun me at all. Love, it would not you know? stun me at all. Yeah. At all. It, and that's why I could me. see this going. That, that's why I could see this going pass rusher than tackle. That that's why I could see it. But I think you may get a better value at at the pass rusher at twenty one, depending on how the board goes, depending how the picks go, actually, and and maybe just have to just get what you can at, at fifty four. That's that's just my off the top of my head scenario. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, it's funny. It's jumped out at me the last couple of days, you know, reading responses to my mock draft and reading the comments. It's you know, on Twitter. It's like Colts fans are, you know, I've always thought they've been a pretty smart fan base. They they get yeah. it. Like if they, if Ballard wants to trade back, they're like, you know what? We're going to find more value in the second round. I'm like, whoa, this is, this is like, they've learned, like, you know, like they've seen yep. it happen. And, and it's, I feel like most of the time on social media, it's like, no, trade up and, and draft the most flashy player you can find right um i feel like there's a little bit of like you know okay it's fine we're probably gonna i, I feel like 70 percent of the comments i see are like we're gonna trade back the colts are gonna trade back so we'll see if they make i, a I actually love that because i've said this too I, I think most fan bases just flip out once you trade down right and it's not and fun I get it, right you I want those it, right. five minutes of fun right it's like, you know, it's like when you're a kid and your parents tell you they're taking you for ice cream and they're like, hey, we're going to go next week. Like, no, yeah. you told me we're going to get ice cream. I don't right. want to hear that. So, yeah, I get it, right? And you talk about the draft for weeks and months and you're, you're sick of hearing about it. You want to pick, right? And then they trade down. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it's, it's a little deflating. And then, but Colts fans are like, yeah, we figured. <laughs> and I actually kind of love that because you understand. It's kind of like, look, I don't know anything about money, but like, you know, People who who are like, like good investors, like they don't want like the fast money, you know. Like people who right. know the stock market, they know yeah. how. I mean, they want fast money, but they also understand 
it's about the long haul, right? And it's kind of like that, you know? You know, it's idiots not, like me are like, hey, give me some crypto, you know? You it's know, not unlike free agency, you know? Right. And it, it's the same kind of thing. And I think, you know, the body of work speaks for itself. It, it hasn't been perfect. They've certainly missed on players. But overall, they built the bulk of this roster through the draft. And the one thing I always had to remind people, Chris Ballard, you know, one person asked me, does he live in a really small house? Does he even spend money? I'm like, no, it's actually a pretty nice house. <laughs> We've <But> seen secondly, <laughs> they have spent money. You know where? Like they just traded for a quarterback that has $98 million left on his deal. They gave Buckner $84 million last year. They signed Ryan Kelly and made him the, the highest paid center in football. Now, these aren't surprising like the fact that they paid Ryan Kelly isn't surprising, but it's still a huge right. sum of money, right? It's a very calculated, predictable move because you you'd expect it to happen. And they have been bold. They went out and got Buckner. They traded for Wentz. Um, they've been bold and aggressive, and they've opened up their pocketbooks in, in very, very select situations. You'd much rather have that be the case, and they and they know these guys are going to do well and be worth it than the alternative where you're taking a huge flyer on a guy for huge money. And it backfires in your face, and you're stuck with a ton of dead money, and 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 really you're you're in a terrible situation. So, um, the, that's the only that's the only beef I would have is is oh they never make any big moves. It's like yeah they do. They just they hit on them, and you forget about them yeah. because you take it for it's granted. True. And you know on the the Buckner thing, this is not really related to the draft, but I it, it's something I was working through because I was it's relevant to a story I'm working on. <laughs> Think about this: the San Francisco 49ers drafted DeForest Buckner, I think, with the, what was he, the seventh, seventh overall, overall pick? pick? Like yeah, that. I'm yeah. looking at it here. The seventh overall pick in 2016. Great pick. Like, fantastic pick, okay? You crushed it. And then you let him leave four years later because you couldn't afford to pay him. That will never happen to Chris Ballard. That's a <laughs> okay? good point. That's that a good point. That will literally never fucking happen. Sorry, I, I can't, I did that. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have <laughs> said that. But whatever. It will never happen. It's just not. And 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 you can look. I'm not suggesting that he's got it all figured out. Okay, I'm not saying that. Look, they could have maybe had a move of consequence in in free agency. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, oh, they look, got I, money. Could, I yeah. could. They they could they could use the talent. There's no question that they got bounced in the first round. Right? They're not yeah. there. But at the same time, like there's two sides to this too. I mean, like you can you can fly by the seat of your pants a little bit. And then you're going to deal with some consequences like that. I mean, then you're you're going to let Braden Smith walk out the door. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that was the choice. I'm not saying that because they're fine. Yeah, but eventually that saying, choice comes. Eventually exactly. that choice comes. In time, you will face circumstances like that. That's never going to happen to Chris Ballard because we know what he's going to do. <laughs> he's not going to let it happen. So, And if you keep drafting well, you're going to have those, those circumstances where you have really good players who are going to have to get paid. And that's the thing. I mean, it's a blessing and a curse, right? They draft really well, and you got to pay those guys a ton of money. So, you know, it is what it is. But I think it's a good problem to have, too. So, Let me uh, ask you this, just for fun. Yes. Give me two or three names of guys it would be really fun if they could draft, but they can't. Like, they're just they're not going to trade up and get <laughs> these guys, but it would just yeah. be fun. That's a great question. I love that. Uh, well, you mentioned one at the top. is Kyle Pitts. Like, can you imagine... Yeah, that'd be fun. Can can you imagine Frank Reich with that guy? Yeah, like <laughs> like you never they never drafted a tight end. Oh, they went and drafted like the best tight end prospect in the last decade. Right, right. I mean, I I think that would be spectacular. I mean, I I just think that he's creative enough 
that he would do to have a guy like that who can literally do everything. And then you have a really creative coach with that particular position. Uh, you could have, I mean, that would be an incredible, uh, an incredible match. There's no question about that. You know, I'll give you another one that I think would be interesting. And I, I don't know how this guy's career is going to go, but I kind of feel like, uh, I kind of feel like, like fields, Justin Fields would be really interesting with a coach and in an offense like this. Um, like, I don't know how, I don't know if he's accurate enough and all those little things, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. I haven't studied the quarterbacks. I like mean, that, he's but. huge arm. He ran the fastest 40 we've ever seen from a quarterback. I mean, he played mm-hmm. through the injury to beat Clemson. I mean, there's right. a lot to like. And I just think like with, you know, he's got that skill set that, would I think really it, it's it's not it's not Carson Wentz necessarily I'm not I don't think that's a good comparison but there are some parallels too you know a guy who can roll out throw on the run certainly great athlete I think Carson Wentz is a better athlete than people even give him credit for um, and there's a little bit of parallel there and I think that gives a coach like Frank Reich a lot of options and and I just think he can do a lot with those types of skill yeah, sets so that would be interesting. Yeah. He's at the top of my list. Um, Fields Fields is going to be fascinating because I, I watched him, you know, struggle against Indiana for for mm-hmm. most of the game, and then you saw him just light it up against against Clemson. For me, it's Devontae Smith. I mean, I'm in mm-hmm. a. You watch the playoffs, and then you watch the national title game, and you think, how does this guy go below three in the draft? And now he's looking at somewhere between maybe eight, nine, ten, twelve, maybe fifteen. Um, you know, all the knocks on him are knocks that he can't control. And I just think it's a fascinating study. Like, nobody watched the national title game and didn't see Marvin Harrison out there. I mean, the guy wasn't even covered. Right. He was, he was getting open so much. Um, and, and it's just a fascinating study, really, in today's, in today's league. I mean, there's a guy that size who's 170 pounds, six foot nothing, but as fast as they come, great hands. I mean – he just looks like Marvin Harrison. I just wonder how that's going to play out. And if any possible situation unfolds where he keeps falling, I would think the Colts. <laughs> I would love to know where they're at, where they're at with him in terms of evaluation. Right. And secondly, um, he would be an explosion in this offense. I just think he I just think he'd crush it. But you know, yeah. he's not gonna land the Colts. It's not, not gonna, gonna happen. Yeah. But that was the point of the exercise. Right, right, right. No, he I, I actually love the Marvin Harrison comparison, not in terms of Talent. I mean, he's look. We got a long way to go, right? But, yeah. But but definitely well, he, he did in terms win of the stature. Heisman Trophy as a receiver, right? He doesn't suck. Yeah, <laughs> the guy doesn't suck, and he and he won it in a year with like great quarterbacks too. You know, so right. He's he's doing something right. So yeah, but I I love the from a physical standpoint. I do love the comparison. He's obviously a little slighter than Marvin was, but not by much, to be honest. No, not by that much. What was Marvin coming out of school? 180 pounds, maybe? I mean, yeah, I mean, like, the thing with Marvin is, and Colts fans remember this, like, the dude never got hit. Like, I know. So you see it from TY right now, but like, Marvin would run over the middle. He ran on the, he ran on the same side every down. It was never, they never mm-hmm. moved him around. They didn't need to. And he would catch the ball and he would go down. And it kept him healthy for like eight straight years. I mean, um, some guys just are different. I feel like some guys can just play. I don't care what their size and the measurables are. I really would be interested to see what a lot of teams have evaluated Smith at because the emphasis is on measurables right now. And um, at the end of the day, if he can play football, I've heard a lot of players tell me this, and I'm sure you have as well. Like, at the end of the day, if the guy can play football, he can play. Um, that's going to be fun to see where he ends up. 
I think there's a there's a great example of this on the Colts' current roster, and it's it's well, your guy. It's Naheem Hines. Yeah. Oh, and I was going to say Kenny Moore. Oh, well, him too. Yes, <laughs> he's a great example too. I mean, Kenny Moore might be the best tackler on the team. Okay, that's all you got to say. He uh, is, you know? and, and I don't think Darius would take offense to that. Kenny no, Moore five ten so and like one hundred and ninety pounds, and he might be the best tackler on the team. I can't think and of him missing a tackle in the open field. I can't think of one instance. It, it's incredible, and and Darius Darius does. Okay, Darius will miss a tackle here and there. Okay, yeah. that that is definitely true, and I don't think he would take offense to that. I think he would probably just beat himself up about it. But uh, and then on offense, as I said, Naheem Hines. I mean, this guy. I know fans hate it, but like he actually runs between the tackles. <laughs> okay. Yeah. At like five nine and I don't even know what he weighs, you know. So um I mean, if yeah, you don't I, think so, toughness. look up the look watch the Bills game again. Watch the playoff mm-hmm. game. Who pulled them back from that yep. double digit deficit? It was Naheem and, and a couple other guys. But um that's the fun part of the draft, right? You don't know what's gonna happen, you don't know how it's gonna go. Um I will say this though. I did this big story on all the first round quarterbacks drafted in the last 10 years and the returns are not good right so mm. you have the same chance as hitting on the guy and, and and that's like pro bowl level starting quality starting quality quarterback right same chance as hitting on him as you do as bombing the pick completely so if we're going to see quarterbacks go one two three which we are mac jones is probably going to san francisco at three you're going to see um the byu kid zach wilson go two to the jets and then trevor lawrence obviously to jacksonville at number one First time since 1999, quarterbacks have gone one, two, three. Hmm. Odds tell you that two of them are not going to make it and and then really last in that city. It's going to be fascinating to watch it play out. And and see, <laughs> this really is relevant to the Colts too because yes. if you don't have the first overall pick and you have total control of the situation and you know you're going to get the best guy. Now he may he may still fail. But your odds are pretty. Your odds are much better, right? If you got the first overall pick, which they've had twice. So, well, with quarterbacks. Anyway, my point is, you're so you're Chris Ballard, and Andrew Luck retires, and now, you know, you know, you're not really going to be picking in that area of the draft, and that's why they've they've gone this route trying to figure out the quarterback situation through other means. And I know a lot of fans the last couple of years have been thinking, well, you know, they should just give up the farm and try to move up, but. The, the prop that's the problem though is is one of the problems because there are multiple ones but one of the problems is what are the odds of success yes it's just it's not enough of a guarantee i think especially because a lot of times you're getting such imperfect prospects you know these guys they come out early you don't have a big body of work um a lot of times you know you you have to pick them where they're picked just by virtue of the position but if all things were equal, some of these guys aren't getting picked in the top five. Okay, all You're things exactly being equal. Right. And I and, and I talked about this in my story. It's look, yep. look at look at what San Francisco sent to Miami to get up to three, three to pick first Mac Jones. round picks <laughs> and a third rounder for Mac Jones, who and maybe Mac Jones. I have no idea. Great. He might be good. I and Kyle Shanahan's great, and and he'll probably elevate him. But this guy wasn't even a first round pick as late as November. He played on an Alabama team that gave him all the protection in the world. He never had to play from behind. He's mm-hmm. playing with Devontae Smith, who's got five yards of separation on every single play. I just didn't see it. Now, I'm not an evaluator, but they traded three first-rounders and a third-rounder to move up to take. We'll see. They better work. They better we'll work. See. But, that, right. but that goes to what you're saying, right? That's what yeah. it takes to move up and to go get a third spot and, and be able to pick a quarterback – that you want, or at least be in the in the in the ball game, right? I mean, they're still not right. going to get Zach Wilson or, or Trevor Lawrence. So, 
Um, what did the Colts do? They sat back and, and, and they, they didn't have to give up those picks. And they got Carson Wentz, who's comfortable with Frank Reich. It, it's just not it's not a Chris Ballard type move to bet the farm on moving up in the draft to get a guy you still don't know is going if he's going to work out or not. Yeah, and and I get that you got to take some chances, but it would scare the hell out of me. There's no question about that. Uh, I I think they those guys have those guys at the top of this draft have just as much likelihood of success or failure as Carson Wentz. <laughs> okay, it's just a fact. Okay, and and the Colts didn't give up nearly as much because the pick that they gave up is not going to be nearly as high. Okay. It's just not, um, unless they somehow end up, you know, being a, a four win team this year, which I don't think is going to happen. So yeah, yeah that, they're going to give up a pick that's in the twenties next year, most likely, it, you know, so. if Wentz, like the thing about Wentz is he's done it. Like done you've it. seen him do it at this level and yeah. who was he doing it with your head coach? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Zach Wilson. You're duplicating basically the exact circumstances he had when he had his best performances. You've you've basically duplicated that. In fact, it's even better. I think. I think at receiver, I'm excuse me. I'm sorry. This is the skill positions in general. They might be a little better. Uh, they've got to do better at tight end, but but definitely the the running game, offensive line, like they're off the charts in those areas. Uh, so he's got a he's got the perfect circumstances. There's no question about it. He's going to have much better circumstances than any of those quarterbacks who were getting drafted at the top. Okay, Dude, so that's such so an I, important aspect. I know we're getting off topic here, but that's such yeah. an like Zach Wilson is going to a absolute terrible roster with no offensive right. line, very few weapons. That matters. It matters yeah. a huge. I, I don't know what Trevor Lawrence is going to. I mean, they spent a lot of money in free agency, but it's still the Jaguars. So. Right. We'll see, but I mean that that stuff matters. Like the situation they walk into, I think I think the third pick, Mac Jones, is going to walk into the best situation. Good roster, yeah. stable coach, good GM. They they're under contract for several more years. They're not going anywhere. Um, you know that that matters a huge bit. We always talk about where these guys go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's it's who they're going to play with too. It, it matters a lot as well. Yeah, no question. Uh, and. You know that uh, Belichick's going to find a way to get <laughs> Trey Lance, and and he he'll be the best guy in the entire class. <laughs> Watch, right? He'll end or up or Justin three Fields, maybe it's Justin Fields. Or Justin Fields. Yeah, yeah. I, I could see something like that happen, but it is. It really is. It does boil down to where you end up going. Like wh- whoever this left tackle ends up being. Okay, look, he's still got to do it, you know. But talk about walking into a good situation. <laughs> okay, I mean, yes. I get to play next to Quentin Nelson. Sign me up, okay? Yeah, you know, sign me up. So anyway, it, it's it's kind of interesting, and I think these are the little little side plots that I don't think we talk about enough. You know, we just talk about who's what's the need, what's the best fit in terms of the offense or the defense, and uh, you know, et cetera. And those are easy connections to make. I get that, but uh, it, it is a lot deeper. And, and they're, there's and they're a reason talking about that, right? I mean, even ballots. Yeah. They, from from what yeah. I've heard, they've had some. Heated arguments in the last couple yeah. of weeks. Um, the scouting staff, you wrote about Morocco Brown today, Ed Dodds, and Ballard. I mean, Ballard said, I've had some pissy moments, and we know that's a fact. I mean, he admitted it one, and we've seen him in the press box during games. I mean, they, they're they going to get into it, and they've had some long 12-hour days. So um, I'm really interested to see where they have these guys ranked and what the product does uh, come Saturday night when they finish up with their six picks, maybe seven, maybe five. Who knows? And and just to piggyback on what you just said there, I love that that Ballard 
encourages these guys to challenge him too. Now, Morocco Brown, one thing he told me was, he's like, they don't pay me to sit here and, and to nod my head. He says, they pay me to get in there and to tell them what I think. And if I think they're wrong, I'm going to tell them they're wrong. And he said, actually, nobody's really wrong. He said, the idea is for everybody to put all their thoughts out there and challenge everything, you know? And and I think that's what you got to do. I'm not saying other teams don't do that. They, clearly right. they do. But there is something to be said for, for being in a place where, A, it's encouraged, and two, you know that your voice is actually going to be heeded. You know, I think Jamie Moore is a guy we've gotten to know, one of their scouts. Uh, this is a guy who really has just really just gotten Chris Ballard's trust. He's got his full trust. And he gives that, I think he gives him a lot of latitude. And if he signs off on a guy, it matters a lot. And and Jamie is not like, you know, the assistant general manager or anything. Okay. This guy's, a, right. you know, this guy is a, an area scout. And I think this goes for all of their, all of their scouts. I mean, if you're here, they trust you to use your voice and to, and, and you know, to challenge thoughts and convention and everything. So I, I think that's really healthy. And I think that's why you have success because if you, if you have people who are good and you're not listening to them, well then you're not utilizing all your resources and that doesn't seem smart to me. So anyway, yeah, I just think that goes back to, to having a, a GM that's secure in his, in himself and is okay, you know, being called out, you know? Yeah. That's what, one of the things that's, that's changed. And, and this is, this is maybe a small thing, to the fans, but it's a big thing to us is what changed in 2017, Ballard's first year, is all of a sudden the scouts started coming out after the draft and they would talk yeah. about the guys that they had scouted over the last year plus and they would give us all the info they had. And these guys are like encyclopedias with these players. They know them inside and out. And and that's how we've gotten to know Jamie Moore and Mike DeReese and Chris McGeha and all these guys. And you see these guys on with the next pick, but we'll talk to those guys Friday, Saturday. And, and we'll definitely have a story on that and what they say about each prospect they picked. Um, I find it to be one of the more revealing, fascinating talks we have all year. I mean, what they said about no Jonathan Taylor last year, I was like, okay, I totally get what, what the thinking was. Um, it's it's a great lens into how they scout and evaluate and some of those debates you're talking about. And, and then uh, Chris Ballard dropped one the other day on Braden Smith where he said, you know, it was Morocco Brown and Kevin yeah. Rogers there director of pro scouting who were telling him, no, we think he can play tackle. And Chris Bauer was like, he can't play tackle. <laughs> so now the guys are starting right tackle and they're about to pay him a big contract. So, and Kevin uh, Rogers, man, he was the guy that was all in on, on Kenny Moore. Kevin Rogers needs a raise. Yeah. yeah Kevin Rogers. There's a reason Kevin Rogers has been around the organization for as long as he has. So yeah, uh, I think that tells you something. So anyway, we could do this all day, but I, I do, I do think that uh, you should, well, let me put it this way. It's, I think one of the reasons I wrote the, the Morocco Brown story, I'll just close with this, is he's just one example of, I think, a lot of guys in the organization. This is true everywhere on some level, but I, I cover the Colts, right? Uh, he is an example of one of many guys in that organization who I think are the reason they are where they are. It's not just Chris Ballard. Like Chris Ballard right. doesn't know... 3,000 players, okay? Because that's how many guys they start with, you know? He doesn't know all those guys. It's the guys who put in the work all year long and are now out there getting the intel and getting uh, the scouting reports done and and actually making the choices and the decisions easier for the general manager at the moment of truth. So uh, if you don't have – if those guys aren't as good as everybody else, you know, if you're if you got a great coaching staff but your scouting staff sucks – 
your team might end up sucking, okay? Because <laughs> you're going right. to have to overcome that. You, you got to have it on both sides. It's got to be coaching staff, scouting staff, and and that leads to good players and good performances. So it, it takes all of it. It takes everybody. There's no question about it. So anyway, I don't know how we got to that, but I think it's important. So <laughs> Yeah, we kind of went all over the place today, but uh, I think we hit on some some interesting stuff. Yeah, it was uh, draft uh, draft preview with uh, featuring random thoughts from Kiefer and Holder. So there you go. Um, hey, if you haven't subscribed, here's your chance. It's always a good time. But uh, the draft is one of our biggest successes every year. We we draw a lot of readers during uh, draft season. So if you haven't subscribed, we, we want you to jump on board and and get on any deals that may be available to you at the Athletic. And uh, if you are a subscriber, hey, check us out this week. There's going to be lots of coverage throughout the week and the weekend. And uh, we'll be working hard. We'll actually come back with a wrap-up podcast as well. Hopefully you get that uh, by Monday, I think, at the latest. So stay tuned for that as well. So there will be lots to talk about one way or the other. We know there's going to be some pivotal decisions made. So thanks for listening. I am Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer, and this is 1%. Better.